Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show is brought to you by our wonderful friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business, whatever the insurance may be. Um, and they will get you bundles because, you know, whatever it takes to save you money where you're properly insured, they're going to do because they're the pros, pros in insurance. These are great people who are just terrific insurance professionals, best in the business. Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. We're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. Fabulous new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory. Check it all out at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play calls of the day. Seppi, bounce pass to Brugler, four seconds. Fade away, good. She's got 15, and a timeout called by Lehigh. Meeks lobs it underneath. Screen with two hands, throws it down. There you go. Good weekend for Bucknell. Really good weekend for Bucknell. Oh, yeah. So, so who do we have on the two calls there? Uh, that was Lehigh's uh, broadcast network on ESPN3 and then Joe Vasile with uh, Bucknell on ESPN3. I have done baseball with Joe Vasile, who is just a marvelous guy to work with. Yes, he is. Marvelous guy to work with. I can't say enough good things about Joe Vasile. Does a terrific job. So, there you go. Okay. So it is Super Bowl week. We are not going to inundate you on Super Bowl this and Super Bowl that all week. There's no need to. And again, it, it you know it it goes to uh, I'm not really into the low hanging fruit. Um, never have been. It you know, just I think if you do that, if you do the low hanging fruit part all the time. I think you, it's a disservice to the intelligence of your audience. We have a really intelligent audience. I mean, that's why I talked about, you know, that the two tackles for good. I mean, when we came out of the AFC and NFC championship games, I said, look, the MVPs were, I thought, the Tampa Bay offensive line and the Chiefs secondary. Well, I mean, did you hear me mention Brady or, or uh, Mahomes? No, because I thought that the, those were the swing units in the games. It's, you know, this is not how we operate. Now, I want to point out, though, that uh, when it comes to low-hanging fruit, every once in a while I will throw out 
the name of Doug Peterson just to get a rise. <laughs> now we're moving on. I'm not so sure you have. <laughs> I mean, the new guy did not win the press conference. Uh, yeah, no. That I will too admit. Ner- too nervous. Yes. It's interesting that Kim mentioned that about Robert Sala. I, I, said, I don't know why these guys are nervous. In the, I mean, I guess they're... I suppose you're not used to it. I mean, how many press conferences has Nick Sirianni done in his lifetime? Well, the, the coordinators usually do once a week. Yeah, but that's not that's that's pretty benign. Yeah, you know it's not it's not like everybody all together. And, you know, no, no. Oh well. But apparently, a... Nick Sirianni did a much better job today on WIP in Philadelphia. So at least there's that. Well, I had the answers written out. All right. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Does that worry you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> when somebody sits up there with index cards, does that worry you? <laughs> and I'm just wondering. Yeah. I just looked at the radar here. It's just coming back over you, isn't it? Yeah. It appears that way from a quick look I took outside. Yeah. You know. Again, I wouldn't worry about the Russian ICBMs on the radar. That's yeah, that's nothing. Just kidding. <laughs> Lawrence is sitting there going, don't joke about that. <laughs> In the 70s, it would have been like, oh, my God, <laughs> not now. Nobody thinks about that stuff. Like most people don't even know what an ICBM is. All right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well. Okay. So Penn State basketball on Saturday won. And I'll re- I mentioned the wrestling part. They got out. They wrestled two this weekend. Uh remember Dick and Milton had called about, hey, what are they gonna do? I said they'll probably try and reschedule Wisconsin as a solo event. Well, it turned out they just stayed out there. They're going to go to Wisconsin to wrestle tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. So that's going to give them three in. Once you get to four, because, I mean, did you notice how many? They wrestled, I think, ten exhibitions each between Indiana and Northwestern. They're trying to get as many guys as possible to get to four matches so they can qualify as wild cards for the NCAAs. Plus, get them experience, even if they're not winning. Get them in, okay? You know, to get, just get them experience in doing it. Because you can, when you're at a tri meet, I wonder if this is going to change. You're allowed to travel twenty to a tri meet, which Penn State did. But if it's a dual meet, you can only travel sixteen. So I wonder if there's four guys they have to declare that can't wrestle. So maybe that's part of it. But that's tomorrow at five. Basketball. Penn State won on Saturday over Wisconsin. Going into the game, we said, look, it's a 50-50 game, and they've got to start winning these 50-50 games. So they come back from the pause, and it's more than just the pause. They played a game on the 13th at Michigan in December. Then because of finals, they didn't have another game until the 23rd. And then because of Christmas, they didn't have another game until the 30th. So from... December 13th to January 17th, Penn State played two games. Because then, of course, they went on the COVID pause. 
And I already explained that, look, when you come back, it's like coming back from an injury. First game, you got a lot of adrenaline, a lot of juice, the whole thing. The second game, you have nothing. I've seen that with one injured player returning after another. Now you get to see this as a total collective team deal. Saw that with Villanova. I think they had a power outage or something like that. Kind of allowed them to get their legs back in that game. It's going to be interesting to see how Michigan reacts being off two weeks plus. And by the way, at Michigan, you know how many Michigan basketball players have tested positive? Have you heard this? I haven't, no, actually. Yeah, how about none? All right. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They have, wow. Michigan, Michigan, Michigan men's basketball has had no positives. But they're shut down by the Department of Health because they're part of the athletic department. Now, Michigan State has been different. Michigan State has had all but two people on their basketball team test positive. You realize that? How bad's that been? I mean, Michigan State's been 180 of that. So you just you just don't know. You just don't know. Uh, but back to Penn State. So they, they had nothing in Illinois. And Dick and I, Dick Girardi and I, were in the parking lot after the Purdue game on Sunday. And the two of us were like, oh, man, they are going to have zero in the tank on Tuesday. Because, I mean, again, this is something we've done a lot in our career. You know when it comes to stuff like that, just through experience, what you might see. Usually then the third game, you start to get the the game shape starts to come back for you. And this is as an individual player. Now you're watching this as a collective group. We said that the Rutgers game was a game that was the line in the sand game that if they wanted to go anywhere with the season, they had to win the game. They had no choice. They had to win it. And they looked great, and they did. We then said the Northwestern game, remember we said it's a game, hey, look, you don't want to go anywhere, you have to win it. Now, we flipped it when it came to the Northwestern game. Now you've won the Rutgers game, okay, Northwestern's a game that you cannot, you can ill afford to lose. And they didn't. They won it. Ohio State, they fell behind, playing on the road, good team. Came back, took the lead, lost the lead, lost the game by four. Well, now they come back against Wisconsin on Saturday. It's going to be the first of two. And, you know, we all know Wisconsin has been Penn State's kryptonite for a long time. And we all know that. I mean, you're talking 10 years. And... But there's something a little bit different here. Yeah, this is the veteran Wisconsin team. I mean, Trice, for example, the point guard, Trice, you know, he's 24 years old, right? I mean, my goodness, I mean, he's... um, And this whole... I mean, the average age of the starting lineup for Wisconsin, I think, is a little bit older than the Minnesota Timberwolves, I believe. It's just the way it is. And the key with them... Okay, they want to play they want to play at their pace. They want to keep the possessions down to 64, 65. Penn State wants to play about 74, 73, 74 possessions. The key is the 
is that Penn State has speed. Now, Wisconsin did the right thing. They went inside early. Penn State then countered that. Wisconsin was a plus eight in the paint in the first half. They were only plus two in the paint in the second half. So that was big. But then I said, with eight minutes to go in the first half, Penn State was shooting, I don't know, with 30%, something like that. And I said to Dick in the broadcast, and usually Dick the Dick is the one that says this. This time, is I, I'm actually the one that said it. I said, Dick, Dick, here's the bottom line. If Penn State can shoot in the mid-40s in this game, I didn't say 50, 55, 60. I said if Penn State shoots in the mid-40s, which is a normal shooting percentage, I said they'll win this game by 8 to 10 points. Penn State won the game by 10. They shot 45%. One of the keys against Wisconsin has always been the ability to hit some jump shots against them. Yeah, you've got to finish inside. Yeah, you got to hit threes. But you have to hit some jump shots along the way. Which then, when Penn State fell behind at halftime, 34-31, Penn State came out, Myron Jones got a two, then got a three, and suddenly Penn State had the lead. Penn State then played essentially the entire second half with the lead, which made Wisconsin speed up. They don't want to speed up. Penn State, because they played with the lead and kept attacking. See, Penn State didn't back off. They kept attacking. They didn't go into a shell and take a shot with five on the shot clock. They didn't do that. They kept going at them. And they kept using their speed to do it. They kept getting past the Wisconsin defenders because Penn State has more speed. The team that's comparable to Penn State that Wisconsin has played so far is Maryland. And Maryland won at the Kohl Center. And then Wisconsin built up an 18-point lead at College Park last week. And then Maryland came back, got within three. And that's what kept the indicator that we had, seeing how Maryland played them, that we thought Penn State could play them. Penn State also kept the turnovers down to six. They've won three of their last four. In those three games, they had way too many turnovers against Rutgers, except the last 9-29 when the game was on the line. Penn State had no turnovers against Rutgers, last 9-29. They had too many turnovers first half against Northwestern. Final 16-13, one turnover. Saturday, they had six turnovers total, only two in the second half, and both of them were dead ball turnovers. Hey, okay. here's what fuels comebacks. Comebacks are fueled by live ball turnovers first and foremost. Then, of course, you've got to take care of your business at the free throw line. Penn State in these three wins has not given up any live ball turnovers. I'm talking no live ball turnovers in the stretch. That is huge. And then Saturday in the final four minutes, Penn State hit 14 of their 17 free throws. Rematches tomorrow night at 8.30. We're on beginning at 8. 
All right, back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us. By the way, Penn State today, 29 in the net. Just to let you know that we keep talking about if they can win some of these 50-50 games, they can get some traction here. But they've got to keep winning. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance. 2021 has begun, and this is the perfect time to make sure you're protecting what matters most. Whether it be you, your family, or your business, we have the experience and knowledge you need to help navigate through the process. Our office remains available to service our new and current clients by phone at 570-286-5855, by email, and by appointment. Purdy Insurance, what can we do for you? Okay, great to have you with us. Uh, brought to you today by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Subway. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Uh, Mike Yursich, the offensive coordinator at Penn State, for the first time is going to talk with the media. That'll be tomorrow, as a matter of fact. It'll be his first opportunity for him to talk about uh, the quarterbacks he's inheriting, starting with Sean Clifford and getting into what brought him here to Penn State what he thinks of the potential of the team. So it'll be his first chance to talk to the media tomorrow. Um, once again, we have scheduled a very important sales call for the suit during that time. Oh, really? Because, well, every time we have one of these coach calls like this, the topic comes up. I mean, do you need somebody to be an assistant for you? He's trying to get suit light a job. <laughs> and it's just like I just I, I I find it too personal and concerning. I you know. I'm telling you, he's rooting. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, there's a sales call at 12:30 tomorrow. But isn't that one? Oh, yeah, but you got to do this. I mean, it's it's good for the station, <laughs> and good for Mike Yersich. All right. Uh, I did not see this happen, but I've heard enough about it. Uh, Patrick Reed won the Farmers Insurance Open, right? and he won by six shots, by the way. But on Saturday, he had an embedded ball, at least he said he did. And Patrick Reed has already is under scrutiny to begin with because not everybody feels that he has a good handle on all the rules. So what happened, though, is that he picked up the ball right away before anybody got there and said it was embedded. Okay. Now, everybody says, even the PGA Tour says, in the end, it was fine, no big deal. Not all the players feel that way, as a matter of fact. Uh, Lanto Griffin, who finished in the tie for seven, six shots back. Said it's very sad, it kind of ticks you off. I used a different word. Xander Shoffley, obviously the talk amongst the boys isn't great, but he's protected by the tour, and that's all that matters, I guess. <laughs> Shoffley, by the way, finished at a tie for second at six he shot sixty nine yesterday. Uh he had not seen the video of what happened. He informed that Reed had picked up the ball in the tenth to check on whether it was embedded. Then he called over rules official. Shoffley said that that would not have been the way he would have handled the situation. He said, if my ball's embedded, I usually wait and call someone 
and it's kind of waiting until everybody's on the same page, then I try I avoid a situation like that. He didn't do that. He said, Griffin then said, golf is a game of sportsmanship, and it's tough to put us on the spot to call him out because we weren't there. But at the end of the day, I think 99% of the golfers out there, if it's a question one way or the other, they're going to go the other way, not taking a drop. They didn't cross the penalty line. He said, so it's tough to see. I'm sad. It ticks me off, but that's the way it is. Hopefully something changes, and we come to a conclusion. Rory McIlroy said it was no big deal. Now, I asked, I did ask Rory McIlroy once about the suit using a hand wedge out of the sand trap. Oh, no. He did, he did have an issue with that. Well, that's not surprising. Well, no, I, but then I told Rory it was the shot of the day. <laughs> You're better off just using my putt. Well then, well then, John Hare asked about golf in the post game show, and I said the only problem with John Hare and golf is when the ball's rolling across the green, he dives after it. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to PurdyInsurance.com. Auto. Home, life, business. Right? You need insurance and in multiple areas. They'll do everything they can to save you money because that's important. They may do it with bundles. But they'll come up with a way to do it. But they also want to make sure you're properly insured. They are the pros, pros, and each individual customer is an entity unto themselves. It is not one size fits all. That's how much they care about you, the individual, at Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. We are in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. How about new inventory? Ford, Lincoln, Kia, record-setting year for Hyundai. Sunbury Motors is a big reason why. And great pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia routes 11 to 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And this will be a good day to check it out at online at sunburymotors.com. The Phillies made... Uh, I, I, since it's been snowing out and it continues to snow, it doesn't hurt to talk a little baseball for a moment. The Phillies, of course, the big signing, JT Real Muto. Got it. But over the weekend, they had one of those under-the-radar signings that I think helps you win, and that was D.D. Gregorius. Two-year deal. I really liked that signing. That is a pro's pro playing shortstop for you. He's the kind of guy that he will never be a Hall of Famer, but he's a reason why you win. All right? reason why, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, but he's a big reason why you win. Now let's go to somebody else who also fits that category. Not a Hall of Famer but was a big reason why his team won. 
He retired today, Dustin Pedroia. Now, there's going to be two parts of this. One will be the plus of Dustin Pedroia, and number two will be uh, the downside. And it's not the downside's not personal. It's more big picture. The plus is this, and I, let's give all the credit in the world to Terry Francona for the ability to stick with somebody. In 2007, they come out of training camp. He wins the second base job, okay. And he gets off to a mediocre start. And everybody is telling, asking Francona, like, why are you playing this kid? He's small. He's not hitting. That seems slow. Okay. And then after about five weeks, guess what? He got used to the speed of what was going on, and then he started to play. Okay? Well, he ends up being the rookie of the year. Red Sox won the World Series. Then in 2008, he wins the MVP. He also wins a gold glove. Only nine players in the history okay, have won the Rookie of the Year, a Gold Glove, the MVP, and a World Series championship. Only nine have ever done all that. And he's the only one to do it in his first two years. Becomes a leader essentially becomes the de facto captain of the club when Jason Veritek retires. Um, I mean, and this guy always, always, always played hard. You know why he was a gold glover? He understood positioning. He was a gold glover because he understood positioning. He was he was constantly in a superior defensive position. He knew hitters. So if he needed to take a couple of steps to his right because he, he, he studied it, he'd do it, gave him a better opportunity. His problems then really began when Manny Machado took him out at second base on a slide. And his knee has not been right since. And because of that, he just hasn't been able to play. He played, I think, I want to say he played in three games in 2018 when they won the title. Because he was on the 17 critical, 13 team that won a critical. He was on the 18 team, but he, he played just like three, four games on the 18 team that won it all. I mean, there are only three players in the history of the Red Sox that have at least 100 home runs and 100 steals in their careers with the Red Sox. Mookie Betts, Carly Ostrowski, Dustin Pedroia. Now, this guy played 14 years in the majors. He hit 299 for his career. 140 homers, 138 steals, the whole deal. All right. Now let's get to the negative part. The negative part is not about Dustin Pedroia. I have said many times on this show that I would never give a player 
I now again, I'm talking idealistically. Realistically, what I'm saying, I don't know if that helps a franchise. But idealistically, I would not give a position player more than five years, and I would never give a pitcher more than three. Now, realistically, could I get away with that as a general manager? Probably not. But idealistically, that's how I feel about it. Pedroia signed an eight-year contract with the Red Sox. An eight-year deal. And I said on this show when he signed it, because, you know, whenever like a Robinson Cano signed a 10-year deal, I mean, these longer-term deals, I've made the same statement every time. Why did Seattle sign Robinson Cano to a 10-year deal? He's going to be 41 years old when he's done with the deal. I would have given him no more than five. Same thing, Dustin Pedroia said the same thing. I would give him no more than five. I mean, eight years? And here's the reason why. A guy like Pedroia that goes out every game, gives everything he has, has been just a terrific player his entire career. You just don't know if something fluky is going to happen. You just don't. And in his case, it was that slide, that takeout slide at second base. He has one season remaining on that $110 million eight-year contract. Of his $12 million in salary for 2021, $2.5 million is deferred without interest and payable by July 15, 2028. His contract calls for deferred payments from previous salaries of $2 million each on July 15 this year and in 22, 23, 24, $2.5 million in 25, 26, and 27. Under the category of, you've got to be kidding me. Now, that's not Dustin Pedroia's fault. Again, he didn't get all the Red Sox management in a room, Tom Warner, John Henry, Sam Kennedy, and one by one release them until he got what he wanted. <laughs> I mean, the team agreed to it, just like the Phillies. I mean, the fans of Ryan Howard, he's making all this money, and da-da-da. It's like, hey, excuse me, but the Phillies agreed to pay him that. Hey. Hey. Hey, he didn't look at the management and say, all right, send us out one more. We'll give you another million. Okay. <laughs> That's not how it works. It's negotiated. Both sides agree. But that's why. That is why. I'm, I'm, I'm not for long-term contracts for players. I mean, when I mean long-term, I mean more than five years. I mean, this isn't quite a Bobby Bonilla contract. But July 15th, between now and 2028, he's got got cheddar. (laughs) There's some cheddar coming in. (laughs) July 15th this year, he's going to get $2 million. July 15th next year, $2 million. July 15th and 23, $2 million. $2 million in July 15th, 2024. July 15, 2025, $2.5 million. 2026, July 15, $2.5 million. 2027, okay? And then on July 15, 2028, he gets another $2.5 million. <laughs> Man! That, I mean, 
I don't know who his agent is, but that dude's agent of the year. goodness but see that's why when I talk about because in Major League Baseball these contracts are all guaranteed so even if something like this happens he's still collecting his check now I'm look do you think a guy like that is sitting there and he's and he's not upset. He wants to be playing. I mean, he wants to be playing. You only have to watch Dustin Pedroia play physically the 14 years he physically played, and that guy wants to play. Loves to play. There are a lot of guys like that. They love to play. But he's undergone multiple surgeries on his left knee. He's had knee replacement and you know, it just—it's not going to work for him. They asked him whether he has resentment about the Machado places. Man, that could have happened my rookie year. So I'm at peace with everything. It's good. But the only reason I brought up the Pedroia contract is that you're talking about a guy that's had a really good Major League Baseball career, but it's like that eight-year contract sits there. You're like, holy mackerel. That's why when I looked at Harper, 13 years. I mean, you still got 12 more years. How many of those 12 years is he going to be good? I mean, Garrett Cole. No, I mean... Thirty-six million a year for how many years? How many years did Cole sign for your guy? Well, that was a nine-year deal. I mean, you're telling me he's going to pitch nine years? You're telling me he is going to pitch nine years? Really? Like, that's why I see this stuff and you shake your head. Now, I'm out of the cold sweepstakes right away because I would have given him no more than three. Because I, I don't know what's going to happen when he gets to his fourth year. Now, he got away with one year this year where they didn't have to pay $36 million and it was a short season. But you're going to pay this guy $36 million in... I don't know, 20, 25? How old is he going to be then? How old's Cole now? Cole's got to be at least 30 now, right? That I do know. I think young 30s, but I'm just double-checking. I mean, he's still got eight years to go in a contract. Yeah, he's eight 30 years. right now. So he, he could play out the nine years. That's not unreasonable. Cut me a break. How much baseball do you watch? Who the heck is out there cooking along at 33, 34, 35? They may have a terrific year at 33, might have a terrific year at 35, but at the age of 34, something happens and they're out most of the year. I'm sorry. It just, I don't get this stuff. A nine-year deal for a pitcher in his, who's, who's going to spend the vast majority of the contract in his 30s? 
Really? I, I, that, that, that makes no sense to me. Clayton Kershaw is a great example of this. Kershaw signed a long-term deal with the Dodgers. Now, Kershaw was terrific this year when they won. No getting around it. But how good has Kershaw been in 17, 18, 19? 17, he was pretty good. 18, he struggled. His, his, he could not get up over 91 miles an hour the last half of the season. Oh, he kept pitching. And he got to the World Series, and the Red Sox pounded the living daylights out of him. I remember they said, well, Kershaw starting game two. I said, good. Kershaw starting game five. And, you know, I, were you doing the show then? Maybe not. And I said, good. I don't care. The guy can't throw more than 91 miles an hour. I said, this team's going to tattoo that dude. Right? And he's got this long-term contract, and he's just, you know, you're like, I mean, he to his credit, Kershaw is a warrior. He takes that ball every time and goes out there. But how effective has he actually been? And you're telling me your guy Cole's? Oh yeah, he's gonna he can still pitch right. He'll cut me a break. Not Warren Spahn. All right, we'll take a break. Hey, Matt, because he's a Yankee, thinks he's he's infallible. Uh, over here on the realistic side of the broadcast team. Back with more in a moment. Here on the News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by something that the Yankees should have thought about Purdy Insurance. Uh, once again, Matt allowing his team prejudice to get in the way of proper commentary. I mean, could it could it end well? No, but you know what? They've had Yankees have had many contracts that haven't really ended well, and they're one of few teams, I guess, that can deal with that for the most part. And they got the guy that, that they needed to get at the time, Garrett Cole. I thought he pitched great in the World Series for the. Oh, that you didn't get there. <laughs> oh, sorry. You didn't make it. Starting uh, pitching, I, mean, I think, could be better equipped this year. They're taking look, some risks, this, but look, look, this guy last year, okay, twenty nine years old. He pitched again really well. He was terrific when when he was with Houston. Uh, I mean, he has not even sniffed a plus three ERA since he left Pittsburgh. You know, that's what happened. You got better defensive players behind you, um, a better approach on the mound because Houston gave him the. I mean. I mean, he only cracked 200 strikeouts one time with the Pirates because they just wouldn't let him. Then he goes to Houston, 276, 326. He struck out 94 last year in, in 12 starts. Okay? So his 12 starts last year, 
let's see. So let's just multiply times three, even though he had 33 starts with Houston, be 36. So he would have had, what, 292 strikeouts last year? Pretty good. That's about what his average. Yeah. Um, but, and to Cole's credit, he only had one season, 2016, where he, he hit the uh, he hit the uh, IL. So he's only had one of those. Other years, he's, you know, 32 starts in 15, 33 in 17, 32, 33. Now, last year, he only had 12 because of the short season. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he won, he won two of his three starts in the postseason this year. Um, although I don't see any – actually, he lost it. He, they lost the game, but he, he pitched well in the start. Um, but I don't see World Series in here for last year, is there? What am I missing here? Am I missing something? Unfortunately, you are not. Oh, the Yankees weren't in the World Series? They were not, no. It's been 12 years. It's a long time. Yes, it has. Wow. Hmm. They've needed to address pitching besides Garrett Cole. And they've done that. Like I said, few chances they're taking. But the, the rotation can be very good this year. 2024 player may opt out of contract. <laughs> He's not opting out of this contract. <laughs> he has future earnings of 288 million dollars <laughs> wow he's gonna spend most of that on his couch <laughs> and Matt's gonna be sitting there going I can't believe this happened I've thought for sure <laughs> Only if they don't get a World Series with it. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years.